Good morning, and welcome to the MacLearning.org webcast on iOS management. My name is Nicole Cote, and I'll serve as the moderator for today's webcast. This is the first in a two-part webcast that will continue next week with iOS deployment. Today's webcast will focus on management and integration features of iOS and education. Throughout the webcast, we'll be collecting questions. You can enter your questions in the chat window at the bottom of your browser. We will answer all questions at the end during our Q&A session. Today's presenter is Dan Samaya, Senior Consulting Engineer with Apple. Dan's focus is on US education and iOS management and deployment. I'll go ahead and pass it on to Dan now and we can get started. Thanks, Nicole. I'm very excited to be here today to be able to talk to you about uh, management and configuration of iOS devices in an education environment. And as Nicole said, this is part one of a two-part series. Uh, today's portion will be focused on the configuration and management section and uh, next week's portion will focus on deployment. So let's get started. Thinking back to the very first iOS device, the first iPhone, uh, the end user has always had a great ability to configure their own device, especially on iOS. Compared to other platforms, the end user has a lot of control and freedom and the ability to, to configure things in a much easier and simpler way than ever before. But we wanted to give the end user some help and allow IT to sort of give the user a running start to configure their devices. So with the second version of the OS, we introduced something called configuration profiles. And configuration profiles are small XML files that include accounts, policies, restrictions, and other settings that can be used to configure a device. Uh, these profiles can be created by IT and deployed to devices either by the end user or by IT themselves. So I'm going to dig into the four areas of functionality uh, for configuration profiles and highlight some of the key features that we're most concerned with in education. Starting with accounts, you'll see that you can configure almost every type of account that can be used on a device. That includes mail and exchange. It also includes networking services like Wi-Fi and VPN since those uh, are credentialed services. So those can be included as well in a profile. Um, one that I like to point out is the concept of a subscribed calendar. A subscribed calendar, if you're, if you're familiar with this on iCal, is a very simple way to put a read-only calendar on the internet. So users can subscribe to that calendar by just entering a new URL or installing a configuration profile without having to use an entire collaboration server. So if you've got a lunch schedule, a vacation schedule, holiday schedule, instead of having to put everyone on your collaboration server, you can use a simple file on a web server that you created with iCal. Uh, and provide that read-only calendar that, that sits alongside users' existing calendars. In terms of policies, policies with configuration profiles on iOS are mostly focused around pass, uh, password policies. So that means whether or not a device must have a passcode, and if so, how complex must it be? And then what happens if the end user forgets their passcode or someone tries to enter incorrect passcodes to use the device? And there are features that will uh, cause the device to slow down the user or even erase the device itself if too many uh, failed passcode attempts are entered. That brings us to restrictions. And we know that in an education environment, particularly in K-12, restrictions are very important. And while certainly the, uh, the list of restrictions is not exhaustive, uh, we've been improving this area with every version of the OS. So I'm going to call out certain key restrictions and how they can be used in a, in a learning setting. First on the list is the ability to allow or disallow installation of apps. Uh, turning this setting off means that the app store is hidden and users cannot install applications. And this is often used in, in many education settings. In addition, some school environments disallow use of FaceTime or the camera. 
and those can all be uh, controlled via configuration profile. There are more restrictions about specific device functionality, such as requiring the store password for all purchases, not just once every 15 minutes or so. Also restricting particular features of Game Center. For some of the built-in applications, we have restrictions as well. So you can disable the use of YouTube, the entire iTunes Music Store, so that includes purchasing uh, music, purchasing movies, uh, and, and downloading podcasts. You can disable the use of Safari, and many schools use this functionality along with uh, disabling the App Store after they've installed a third-party browser that might be filtered or managed by a third-party solution. So some schools are using this as a way of providing filtering for devices when they go home, uh, no matter where the device is. In addition, there are specific features that you can manage uh, or disable of iCloud. And those features are focused mostly around preventing the device from inadvertently sending data to iCloud. So that means preventing iCloud backup, uh, iCloud document sync, which is the documents in the cloud feature, or photo stream. And while you as IT could disable these features, I'd strongly recommend that you consider leaving them enabled for your users because these are very powerful features that your users can utilize and it takes the burden off you as the institution, particularly iCloud backup because every user with iCloud gets five gigs of storage for free for backing up their data. And that's one less responsibility for you as the institution to back up users' data on their iOS devices, regardless as to who owns the device. We have some restrictions around security and privacy. Uh, while we've, at Apple, we've never automatically sent diagnostic data to Apple without users' consent, not only can you disable it with a configuration profile, you can prevent your users from ever having the ability to turn that feature on. Uh, with iOS 5, we also have the ability to prevent a user from ever being able to accept an untrusted certificate to help uh, ensure secure communication. And uh, you can enforce encrypted backups. So if your users have sensitive information on their iOS devices, maybe school administrators that might have sensitive student information on their iPad or iPhone, if uh, that user backs up to iTunes, you can require that uh, that backup be encrypted. That way the data is also secure on the Mac or PC that the device is being backed up to. On iOS, we also have content ratings restrictions that uh, we can benefit from using the ratings industries that exist for movies and motion pictures and the music industry. So as an example, you can uh, allow or disallow the explicit tag for music and podcasts. And this both uh, applies to purchasing new content as well as content that already exists in the media library. Uh, in addition, you can set the ratings region. Uh, and so every country in the world uh, that has ratings, we, we uh, support those ratings within iOS and we support the different rating standards uh, by the different content industries in each country. And you can um, set allowed content ratings for different types of media, whether that's uh, movies or television shows or with the App Store at, age, at an age level restriction. We've grouped the rest of our settings into what we call other settings. And the one that I really like to point out for classroom usage is web clips. What's really powerful about a web clip, if you're not familiar with this concept, is that it takes a web page and adds it to your home screen as an icon, just like an app. And users can do this themselves. You can go in Safari and, and add any web page that you'd like to your home screen. But with a configuration profile, you can deploy a web clip to a device, uh, give it its own, your own title, your own icon, uh, even make it non-removable. And that way, if you deploy some devices today, maybe at some point in the future, you need your users to go do something else, whether that means going to download new configuration profiles or maybe enroll in a mobile device management service. By having a web clip on the device that you uh, that points to a website that you own or control, 
you can make it very easy for your users to get back to that place that you need them to be. So I strongly suggest including a web clip with any deployment, even if you don't really know what you're going to use it for yet. Just point it to a, a website that you can uh, modify and take down and redirect. Maybe in the future, you'll add uh, authentication to it. If your school administrators want to have web clips for other purposes, like your school portal or website, uh, make them different web clips. Make this one web clip just for your purposes from a support perspective. That way, in the future, if you need users to get somewhere, they'll already have that icon permanently on their home screen to make that easy for you. There's two ways uh, to configure, the, to, I should say, distribute configuration profiles, both wired and wireless. Starting with wireless, we had that first. Uh, this is putting a configuration profile on a web page uh, for users to download manually. You can attach it to an email, and users can install it themselves. On a device like an iPhone, it's really simple to send a text message to the user with, that points directly to the web page with your configuration profile uh, that can download it automatically. Uh, but on a device that maybe isn't already on the Internet, if it's a Wi-Fi-only device, such as an iPod Touch or an iPad Wi-Fi, uh, you can use a wired connection and install that profile over USB to get the device configured and ready to go. So after configuration profiles, with iOS 4, we took all of that functionality and we made that a persistent connection. So as opposed to just uh, installing a profile once, now with mobile device management, devices will talk back to a central server or console and talking to each other uh, back to that server uh, these devices uh, will be able to receive updates over the air and dynamically so instead of just installing a profile once if you, if, if you enroll a device in a mobile device management system you can update those profiles at any time when we first launched MDM back in iOS 4 MDM did four groups of things and now with iOS 5 we're starting to do a fifth so those, four, those five things are, first, securely enrolling devices into your, into your system. Second, uh, installing and removing configuration profiles, which is the configuration portion. And everything that we've talked about in terms of configuration profiles before applies to MDM. So everything that we've, we've discussed around what a configuration profile does is identical in a mobile device management uh, s solution. So regardless of vendor or product, um, every MDM solution has the ability to, to flip the same switches and configure the same settings as a standard configuration profile that we've talked about. MDM can also query devices and pull back a full report on a number of valuable information points about that, a particular device. It can also do a management task at a, at a point in time, such as remotely wipe a device, lock the screen, or clear the passcode. And finally, we're now starting to have some new functionality around app management with iOS 5 and MDM. So I'll take you through the four that we haven't discussed. Since we've already discussed configuration profiles, let's talk about enrollment, query, remote wipe and lock, and app management. Starting with enrollment, uh, enrollment leverages SCEP. So it's a secure process that can allow the, both the device to be validated and the user. That way, if you have users enrolling their own devices, you can ensure that users are only enrolling the devices that they should be enrolling and not some other device that's not supposed to be part of your, your management system. Uh, the device is uh, configured once it's enrolled, and it's a user opt-in enrollment. And what that means is that you actually have to do the enrollment on the device in most cases. Uh, and when the device is enrolled, users are not notified of any changes. So you can change configuration settings, such as disabling Safari or the App Store or the camera, without users acknowledging those changes. It just happens in the background dynamically. 
But because it's user opt-in, it's also user opt-out, meaning that an end user can unenroll from MDM. And this has been a head-scratcher for some of our, our IT users uh, in, in education particularly, where in previous platforms, especially in the PC platform, uh, management has not been optional. So this is, this is different, and this is something that's a great opportunity for us to look at management from a new perspective. Uh, with iOS, with, with MDM, we don't have the ability to discern who owns the device uh, because any user can go to an Apple store and purchase an iPhone and take it to work and ask for their IT department to configure it for use. So MDM can't discern should we be protecting the user experience or not. And that's why the end user can opt out and remove themselves from management. But in doing so, they'll lose access to whatever resources IT provided for them. This is why using an incentive-based management approach, or carrot and stick, is incredibly valuable here. Uh, that way, if a user unenrolls, they'll lose something valuable. Uh, some really great examples of this would be VPN or Wi-Fi access. So if a student unenrolls from MDM, they won't have access to the school's Wi-Fi network, and it'll be plainly obvious that the student intentionally unenrolled uh, and therefore can't get on, on the network within school because those credentials are deployed via MDM and are removed as soon as the end user unenrolls. So think about that as sort of a new perspective. But again, this idea of not being able to discern uh, who owns the device is specific to MDM and configuration profiles. In just a little bit, we'll talk about how this is changing with our new tools. Querying the device brings back a very long report, a very full-featured report of a number of, of valuable information points about the device. The device details itself, network information, applications, and compliance and security data. And I'll dig through each of these four and highlight some of the, the valuable areas to us. Under device details, you can fi find the iOS version and build number of all of your devices. So you can have a really nice bird's eye view of what version everyone is using, as well as the capacity and space available on everyone's device, and even the current battery level. From a network information perspective, uh, one of the most valuable data points in, an, in a classroom network or an education network is the Wi-Fi MAC address. And using MDM, you can pull, pull the Wi-Fi MAC address remotely off the device. I think the applications report is the most valuable in education because this pulls back a list of every single application that's installed on the device. The app name, uh, its identifier, its version, the size of the app, as well as the size of the app's associated data folder. This is a tremendous amount of data here because this gives you as the administrator the ability to understand where users are storing their data, where are they consuming the data on their devices. You can combine this information with the total capacity and usage of the device and get a really good understanding of what, where your devices are, are using their storage space. Under compliance and security data, a number of these uh, report data points are things that you can uh, configure via configuration profile. But it's really valuable from a compliance perspective to have a report that verifies that, for example, if you're acquiring a passcode, that that passcode is truly present. And that compliance and security data report can give you a lot of valuable information and even act on it, whether manually or in some cases with third-party MDMs, automatically acting on a compliance or security data point. And finally, with iOS 4, we had uh, the ability to do a management task at a particular point in time. This included remote wipe, locking the screen, and clearing the passcode. So from an MDM perspective, MDM can do a full uh, remote device wipe, as well as what we'll call a selective wipe of managed data. Uh, and that's meaning, that means removing something that MDM put on there. So if MDM 
um, installed an exchange profile that configures the user's exchange account, if the profile is removed, that's a selective wipe of that data because the end user uh, no longer has that data on the device and because all devices are encrypted, that data is non-recoverable. Same thing is for any configuration or setting or credential that's installed via a profile, all that information is removed if the device is either unenrolled from MDM or if that configuration is removed remotely via MDM. We also have the ability via MDM to remotely lock or clear, uh, lock a device's screen, I should say, or clear a passcode. Clearing a passcode is uh, particularly useful in a classroom setting, especially in K-12, uh, particularly if a student takes someone else's device and puts a passcode on a device that doesn't belong to them. Uh, using MDM, just a quick call to IT or the help desk, or even in some cases giving users or administrators the ability to clear the passcode on their own devices or their own subset of devices that they manage, uh, can allow them to resolve this with just a quick click with their, with their MDM's console versus a full restore in iTunes. Comparing what MDM does to uh, Microsoft Exchange ActiveSync, which also does remote wipe, uh, EAS Exchange only does a full device wipe, while MDM has these other options around selective wipe, remote lock, and clear passcode. And if you're manually in front of the device, if you need to wipe the device, you can go into settings and erase all content and settings, and that will do a full local device wipe, and it does it very quickly because the device is encrypted. So I can speak from my own perspective of someone who needs to erase devices on a, a frequent basis for testing and deployment. Uh, it's very, very powerful to have the device erased so quickly. And that can be done directly on the device, either manually uh, or uh, if a user maybe can't log in because they don't know their passcode because the device is, let's say, stolen, uh, if the user incorrectly enters the passcode too many times, the device could be uh, wiped locally based on your configuration settings. And now with iOS 5, we're introducing some new functionality that we're just starting to use around deployment and management of apps. And what this means is that the end user has pushed a notification that prompts the user to install an app. The apps can come from the App Store as a free app or a paid app that uses the volume purchase program. Uh, both of these categories of apps from the App Store requires the user to have a personal Apple ID because uh, when the user accepts the installation, they'll be required to enter their Apple ID password to install and own that application. So this type of deployment, this type of feature is most valuable where the end user owns the application. You can also use this feature to install in-house apps uh, using our enterprise developer program, and those applications do not require an Apple ID. If an app is installed via MDM, it's flagged as managed, and a managed app has particular settings that MDM can control. One is that uh, the app can be removed by MDM, either remotely by the administrator, or uh, if the user chooses to opt out or unenroll from MDM, that app will be removed. Uh, and it can also flag an app to prevent its backup of data. So if you have a secure application and you don't want users backing up data from that application, uh, you can prevent backup, and that will prevent backup from both iTunes, or to iTunes, I should say, and to iCloud. Uh, keep in mind that if the user owns the app, they can always go back into the App Store and download it again, especially if, you, if it was an App Store app that you deployed via VPP or a free app. But the data, if it's secure data, the user will not be able to reclaim that data because it was never backed up. So mobile device management has been available now since iOS 4, and there are a number of third parties that offer great mobile device management solutions. Uh, I certainly suggest talking to multiple vendors and learning about their products. They offer lots of different products at different price points. They have different types of back-end servers that they run on. Uh, they offer different enhancements around the back-end. 
But everything that we've described so far is the baseline as to what every MDM vendor can do because the client is iOS. And iOS, the iOS client defines exactly what can be managed and what can be configured. Uh, so keep that in mind when, when looking at MDM products out there. So in addition to third-party MDM solutions, at Apple we also have an Apple-branded MDM solution, and this is something we call Profile Manager. It's part of macOS 10 Lions server. Profile Manager offers profile configuration, just like any other MDM server, but where it's unique is that it offers both uh, MDM-based management of iOS and Lion devices. So we've taken the concept of profile-based management for iOS, and we've also brought it to the Mac. And we think this is a really great way to manage devices of all kinds uh, because MDM and profile-based management in general is very lightweight. It uses web-based technologies. It uses Apple's push notification service to allow devices to be managed anywhere in the world as opposed to directory-based management that requires a persistent connection to your directory server. Uh, using Apple's push notification service, we can maintain a persistent low-power connection to devices no matter where they are, whether they're on a Wi-Fi or cellular network. Uh, What's also unique about Profile Manager is that it has a great web-based administrative interface. So creating profiles and doing all of your management tasks are all done via the web-based administration. And there's also a web-based self-service portal. So end users can use that self-service interface to enroll their own devices, to remotely wipe their own devices or clear passcodes or lock the screen. And being that the Profile Manager is part of Lion Server, it's incredibly easy to get and configure. Uh, anyone can go to the Mac App Store and download Lion Server on their Lion machine and convert or transform their Mac into a Lion Server. So in terms of getting up and running, it's the quickest and easiest way to get your feet wet and start experimenting with MDM. This is the first screen that you'll see when you start using Profile Manager. You'll notice that there's a nice, easy-to-use on-off switch in the upper right-hand corner. That's pretty much all you'll need to do uh, to turn the service on, and you can enable device management to turn on the MDM functionality. And from there, you'll, you'll click on the Open Profile Manager link, and that'll take you to the web-based portal, which you can use from any Mac or PC, or even an iOS device like an iPad. You can use your iPad to remotely configure and manage devices. So now that we've talked about MDM and profiles, I'm going to talk about our new tool, Apple Configurator, and how it starts to change some of the, the paradigm that we've talk, been talking about, about around who owns the device and what kind of management control IT has. So Apple Configurator is a new product that we've announced uh, back on in early March of this year. And it allows for a dev iOS device configuration, supervision, and assignment made easy. Apple Configurator does a number of things, but first and foremost, it does mass configuration. That means that every feature of Apple Configurator is designed to be done to more than one device simultaneously. That includes upgrading and restoring the OS on each device, uh, backing up and restoring that backup to multiple devices simultaneously, redeeming VPP app codes and installing those apps uh, to multiple devices simultaneously. And in doing so, uh, it redeems the VPP app codes in a unique way that's different from all the other solutions out there and that it redeems all of the codes against your institution's single Apple ID. So you can maintain ownership of your apps as the institution as opposed to any concern about the end user potentially claiming ownership of your application. And once you've got your devices configured, you can optionally check out a device to a user for long-term or temporary use. There's three areas of functionality in Apple Configurator. Number one being preparing devices. 
Number two is supervising devices, where we start to talk about unique functionality that's unlocked within the, in the device for IT purposes. And for devices that are supervised, you can assign them to users. So let's dig into each one of these and talk about what we can do. So the first area of functionality in the app is prepare. And one of the most important things you can do in prepare is enable supervision. And supervision is giving IT more control of the device. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit when we talk about supervision. Uh, in addition, you can edit and install configuration profiles. There's a built-in configuration profile editor right within the application. You can also import profiles that you may have made using other tools. You can restore and upgrade iOS. Uh, from this interface. So if you want to restore multiple devices back to standard state or upgrade them to the new version of the OS, you can do that here. You can backup and restore data so you can make a master backup and prepare all of your devices by restoring all those devices from your master backup. You can name devices sequentially. So if you'd like to name them according to the numbers in the sl uh, slots of your iPad cart in your classroom, we even have a K-Base article describing the, the order of operations on how to do that. And you can export your device data as well. So this is what the interface looks like. And when you first start and prepare, you'll just see the left-hand side. And from there, you can choose to uh, name your devices sequentially. You can optionally enable supervision. You can decide if you're going to restore iOS to the latest version. And if so, do you want to erase all content and settings, which you would do if you're restoring. Uh, you can choose to restore a backup as a, from a master template and uh, which profiles you'd like to, to install on the device. And you can manage multiple profiles from this interface. When you click the prepare button at the bottom of the screen, this, the window splits apart, and then you'll see all the devices on the right-hand side that are connected over USB. And as I mentioned earlier, Apple Configurator is designed to configure multiple devices simultaneously. And it can prepare up to 30 devices at once, or even more serially, meaning that you can plug in an entire classroom cart, and when that that set is done, you can add more devices either by plugging them in one at a time or plugging in an entirely new cart. And you don't have to touch the screen for any of this. While Apple Configurator is preparing, until you press that stop button, that blue stop button that you see at the bottom of the window there, you can just continue to plug in new devices and Apple Configurator will prepare them and capture them and if you chose to supervise them, continually manage them going forward. This is what the configuration profile editor interface looks like. It's a really powerful editor. It should look very similar if you've used other editors such as iPhone configuration utility or profile manager. So once you've supervised, uh, I should say, once you've prepared devices, if you've chosen to supervise them, you'll have new functionality that's enabled for, for IT. A supervised device is, an, uh, is a device that's owned by the institution. So a supervised device is not for individually owned devices. It's for devices that you as the school or organization own and want to control. And if a device is supervised, it unlocks new functionality uh, for the organization. First and foremost, it prevents rogue iTunes sync. So if you supervise a device with an Apple configurator and give it to a user, if the user goes home and plugs into iTunes, uh, iTunes will refuse to sync with that device and even claim that the device is supervised elsewhere. This helps prevent users from either in intentionally or unintentionally erasing the installed apps by the institution. It also allows for silent profile installation. So during the prepare phase, as well as later on, uh, you can install profiles silently without ever having to tap the screen to complete the installation. And that's exclusive to a supervised device. This silent profile installation also applies to MDM enrollment, meaning that you can prepare devices 
and continually supervise devices and automatically enroll them into MDM as soon as they're plugged in. This helps with, that, uh, with devices that are owned by the institution because MDM, as you know, as we mentioned earlier, can be uh, unenrolled by the end user. And plugging it back into Apple Configurator will automatically re-enroll that device without ever having to tap the screen. Uh, for supervised devices, you can also install apps. It's the, the best, part, uh, best way to install apps with Apple Configurator is for supervised devices because those are devices that are going to come back to Apple Configurator and get app updates over USB. You can also do group-based configuration. That means you can take devices and put them into device groups and apply different sets of configurations for each device, both different sets of profiles, restoring from backup, numbering, as well as different sets of applications. You can customize the lock screen for supervised devices by adding your own text and, and imagery. And when devices are automatically reconnected, if they are supervised, they go through a process called automatic conformance. What that means is that devices will automatically go back to standard state as soon as they're plugged in. This is great for temporary use devices or kiosk type devices where you want to give a device to someone for a short period of time and as soon as the device is plugged back in, all of the additional apps or content that's created by the user will be erased or overwritten. So this is what the supervised tab of the interface looks like. You can see on the left hand side we've got some device groups. You can make groups of devices and put those devices into groups. Uh, in the middle there you've got the list of devices for whatever group you have selected there. And then on the right-hand side, we've got Settings and Apps. And these Settings and Apps tabs look just like the Prepare tab. But what's unique about supervision is that these uh, Settings and Apps will be reapplied every time the device is plugged back in. And you can change these Settings and Apps even while the devices aren't present. So you can have one computer uh, configuring and supervising lots of iOS devices and even when the devices aren't there, you can change settings and apps for those devices. And as soon as those devices are plugged back in, those settings will be applied. This is what the Apps tab looks like. And you can see here we've got a number of applications. On the right-hand side uh, for each application, we have a little uh, number. And those are the numbers of VPP codes that we've uh, imported into the application to use that particular app. So for example, if I wanted to use Pages or Numbers or Keynote, which are paid apps from the App Store, Apple Configurator requires importing a VPP spreadsheet from the Volume Purchase Program to install one license for each application, uh, each instance of the application to each device. And you'll check the box next to each device that you want, uh, each application, I should say, that you want installed on that particular device or set of devices. Once you've supervised devices, you may choose to assign them to users. Assigning can work in a classroom check-in or check-out scenario where uh, a device is assigned to a user, their data is put on that device, and when it's checked back in, that data is taken back off and put back onto the configurator station, and the device can be checked out to another user. Keep in mind that the time required to check in or check out a device is very much dependent on the amount of data. So if your users are, are using large data sets, you want to experiment with how long it will take to, uh, to check in and check out those devices. Uh, you can assign groups of devices to groups of users. So you can take a group of devices and put groups of users and assign them together uh, on a classroom basis, uh, a department basis, whatever that might be for your institution. There's also directory integration built into the app. So if you're creating users or importing users or groups, if your Mac that's running Apple Configurator is bound to a directory service, as you start typing the name of the user or group, it'll automatically autocomplete and suggest 
names of users or groups that are in your directory service. And if you select that user, it'll import that user. If you select uh, a group, it'll import the group and all the members of that group into Apple Configurator. If your directory has user images, those images will also be imported to Apple Configurator and it'll be applied to the lock screen of devices as they're checked out. If your directory doesn't have user pictures, you can add them yourself within Apple Configurator, or you can use any other imagery that is associated with each user, which is a really powerful feature when checking out devices in a classroom uh, in that end users can pick up the device that they know is theirs just by looking at the, the lock screen. And using Apple Configurator for assigned devices, you can distribute a document to users, check out those set of devices to users, which will include that document, and then when the devices are checked back in, you can collect those documents as the administrator or the instructor, export them out to your computer, and it will take that document, even with all the same name, and append the user's name to each version of the document so you have a, a group of all the documents that were edited or created by your users. So this is what the assigned interface looks like. You'll see on the left-hand side we have groups of users, as opposed to in the supervised tab we had groups of, de of devices. You'll see we have our list of users there in the center. And then on the right-hand side, we have uh, our set of documents that we've assigned to these users. We and notice the documents are uh, under a, a headline for each application. So you choose which application you're, you're going to install that document into. When you choose to check out devices by clicking the check out button at the bottom of the window there, it'll take the users that you've selected, whether it's a group or a single user uh, or set of users, and uh, allow you to check out uh, a set of devices to those users. So you'll notice at the top there, there's a little pop-up menu where you can choose which cart, or which group I should say, of devices you'd like to check out to those users. And then, then it will align the users' names and devices. And if you choose, you can even drag and drop the devices around uh, to decide exactly who gets which device and click check out. The devices will be checked out to users, so they're, the particular user data will be installed onto each device. And then you'll see those green check marks in the user interface, which will show that the checkout process is complete. And each user uh, will show their face actually in the a picture of the device that they were checked out to, and uh, the name of the device underneath each user's name. And as I mentioned earlier, when you assign devices, uh, you can utilize the user lock screen picture. Uh, so that way, when devices are checked out, uh, users can see very quickly which device is checked out to them. So this is a very valuable feature. And it doesn't necessarily have to use user images, as we said. It could be any picture that the user can choose for themselves. So now that we've talked about all three areas of Apple Configurator, uh, the place to get Apple Configurator is the Mac App Store. It's really easy to download. It runs on Mac OS X Lion. It requires 10.7.2 or later. It also requires iTunes 10.6, which is a free download. That's the current version of iTunes. And it is free from the Mac App Store. And this is very important for education, not just because we understand that school customers are, are price conscious, but also sometimes it's just challenging to make a transaction. And so a free download from the Mac App Store makes it very easy to acquire and use Apple Configurator. So we're almost uh, done with our presentation here. So I want to very quickly point out a document that will be very helpful for your deployment planning, and that is the iOS 5 Education Deployment Guide. This is a document uh, that's available on apple.com. We'll give you the URL in just a moment. And it talks about all the different management tools that we have available and how to bring those tools together uh, for, for a deployment workflow or recipe. And next week, for our, our, our sequel to this webcast, we'll be going to, into detail about those recipes. 
This guide is uh, not yet updated for Apple Configurator, but it does include all other relevant information about configuration profiles and MDM and the different deployment workflows, which are still valid even with Apple Configurator. So the website for that guide is apple.com slash education slash IT. You'll find a link to that PDF on the lower portion of the page, as well as, as, well as other really great resources around um, education IT usage of Apple products. And for any general information on Apple and education, you can visit apple.com slash education. So that concludes our slides. I think we'll turn it over to Nicole to start the Q&A portion. Sure, we've gotten some great questions here. So um, the first one is, if I have Apple Configurator, do I need MDM? So do I need Profile Manager or another third-party MDM vendor or vice versa? So that's a great question. As you've seen, there is certainly some overlap in what an MDM solution, whether it be third-party or profile manager, can do to manage a device as well as what Apple Configurator can do. But there's also some unique functionality. So depending on your, your deployment, you may choose one or the other or both. And we think there's actually tremendous benefit in using both solutions. Keep in mind uh, the, the significant or, or unique benefits of MDM is that it's over-the-air management of devices no matter where they are. So you can pull reports and change configurations on devices even when they're not within your, the, the walls of your institution. Uh, while Apple Configurator does all of its magic over USB, but it's really particularly good at doing things such as supervising devices, which is exclusive to Apple Configurator to prevent rogue sync, uh, installing profiles silently, as well as installing apps that are owned by the institution so that the end user couldn't potentially take ownership of those apps. So we think in, in many instances you might want to use both. Uh, depending on which type of deployment you use, and we'll talk about those deployments next week, you might again choose one or the other or both. Uh, but we think especially in one-to-one -one situations in, in K-12 environments, there's plenty of, of, of uh, benefit to using both, especially since uh, Apple Configurator can automatically enroll devices into MDM. So another question is, how does Apple Configurator work with iBooks textbooks? So you'll notice we didn't really talk about media content or or iBooks content at all. Apple Configurator only installs apps. It doesn't work with the media library. Uh, that's partly because uh, the ownership model, the ownership license for iBooks content is only for individuals. So uh, it wouldn't make sense for textbooks to be installed by Apple Configurator that, that are owned by the institution because the license for textbooks and other iBooks content is such that uh, they're priced for individual usage. That's why the price is so so aggressive on, uh, on iBooks textbooks, and they must be owned by the end user. Uh, so there is no integration there at this point, but end users can always download their own textbooks over the air using the iBooks application. And we can go into more, we will go into more detail about that next week when we talk about what we call a layered deployment. All right, um, and is there a way to make configuration profiles for Windows? So as you've noticed, uh, Apple Configurator is a uh, Mac-only tool. A tool that we didn't talk about today is something called iPhone Configuration Utility, which is still available. And that's a tool that essentially is just a configuration profile editor and does a couple other things. And that tool is a free download, and it's available for both Mac and Windows. And um, will Profile Manager ever allow installation of paid apps through VVP that remain owned by the institution? So as I'm sure this audience knows, Apple doesn't talk about future products or directions or features, but that's great feedback, and thank you for that information. Let's see. Where can I learn more about Apple Configurator? 
So as of right now, the best place to learn more about Apple Configurator is to download it and to view the in-app help documentation. It's actually quite extensive. So if you download Apple Configurator for free from the Mac App Store and go to the help menu and view the built-in help, you'll find really uh, detailed information on all of the different features of the application. And can you lock features out? So for instance, um, in a way so that the student can't set up an email account on an iPad, or you can make sure there's no passcode and that the student isn't able to create a passcode. So we've talked about the specific restrictions that are available via profile. And the ones that uh, were just mentioned, uh, locking out email or preventing the user from creating a passcode, those aren't available in the restrictions list, but that's certainly great feedback. Uh, what many schools do, though, uh, is they can leverage MDM to easily clear passcodes, and even some MDM solutions can even automatically send a passcode clear command based on a certain criteria. Uh, and uh, in the case of preventing users from creating email accounts, there is a local restriction that can be set on the device in the restrictions pane. Uh, that's not something that can be set via profile, but those restrictions can be uh, made in a master device. You can back up that master and deploy that master uh, to devices. With Apple Configurator, if someone installs an app and a student takes the iPad and then resets the, sets the device, is that app license lost? So um, if you install an app via Configurator, uh, whether it's supervisor or otherwise, um, Configurator will use that license and maintain it in its database. Uh, and it can take the license back off if you bring the device back to Configurator. So even if it's erased, if it's, especially if it's supervised, if you plug it back into Configurator, uh, Apple Configurator will recognize that this device should be supervised. It will automatically erase it and re-supervise it and bring it back to standard state. Once the device is supervised and connected, you can remove that license and bring it back into your local license pool. So that way you can choose to uh, reassign that license to other devices. So kind of to the same point, um, apps that were purchased and manually installed on an iPad, will that be able to go into Apple Configurator? So Apple Configurator for paid apps requires you that you have valid working uh, VPP codes. So if you were previously using iTunes in a sort of sync cart model where you redeemed one code and installed all the apps from that one code but kept your, the rest of your codes for safekeeping, that would work just fine with Apple Configurator because you can import that same spreadsheet. And Configurator is, is smart enough to know that that very first code was used to download the binary that you got in iTunes. So that would work just fine. Uh, where it wouldn't work is if you're using individual Apple IDs for each code, uh, there's no way to re recoup those codes. Uh, you'd have to continue using those individual Apple IDs, and that wouldn't work with Apple Configurator. Um, and with a deployment with several hundred iOS devices, can a device be managed by Configurator running on multiple computers? Apple Configurator is a single instance, so you can only run Apple Configurator on that one computer for that device. But um, I'd say even for several hundred devices, it certainly scales relatively well because keep in mind that you don't have to do all the administrative actions while the devices are present or plugged in simultaneously. You can manage your devices, change settings even when the devices aren't there, and then just plug them in briefly to get whatever updates are necessary. Uh, so that's why it works great in a, a multiple device uh, connection like a, a cart with us or using several USB hubs or serial connections where you plug devices in one at a time. Even for several hundred devices, you can leverage both of those and plug in several dozen devices at one time. Uh, you won't have to have them plugged in all that frequently. So just to clarify, you can load documents like PDFs, pages, numbers to the iOS devices through Apple Configurator, correct? Yes. Uh, the way it works is it's specifically assigned to users. So it's not part of um, assigning to a device. So you'll have to assign a device to a user, and then those users will receive the documents that you've chosen to install on the device for those users. Uh, 
it's very specific to the application that you install them into. So you'll put your pages documents into pages and your keynote documents into keynotes, et cetera. So for assigned iOS devices, um, what kind of control does the user have? For instance, can the user change the lock screen wallpaper and those kind of things? Uh, specific to the lock screen wallpaper, it's not a restriction. It's really just installing a customized lock screen. So uh, users could change those devices. In short term use, uh, when, as soon as the devices are plugged back in, the, uh, the, wall, the uh, lock screen that you've chosen will be reassigned or re reapplied automatically. Uh, but in the case of a one-to-one, -one, uh, you know, the user uh, has always been able to change their lock screen and will be able to going forward with Apple Configurator today, I should say. So in a long-term checkout situation, is there still a limit on how long the device can go before it must be synced with Apple Configurator? Um, they'd heard that the licenses would expire at some point and a resync would be required. There's no uh, time limit. Uh, you can check out devices indefinitely. Uh, and certainly, we think that's a really great way for a one-to-one -to, -one to, to check out your devices. We have a K-Base article on what we're calling long-term checkout to preserve user apps and data. That way, you can check the device out to a user and bring it back uh, intermittently to do app updates without app blowing away any of the personalization data. So that's uh, kind of modifying the way that conformance feature works. But there's certainly no uh, ex expiration on the applications that are installed via Apple Configurator, because uh, Apple Configurator uses the same mechanisms that iTunes uses, which means that the apps will continue to run uh, indefinitely. But if you want to update those applications, you'll want to bring the device back to Apple Configurator. What if the device used for Apple Configurator fails? What happens to the iPad management then? So if the device fails, uh, you should first try plugging it back into Apple Configurator. And if Apple Configurator can use the device at all, even if the screen is cracked or it's damaged, uh, you'll want to um, you know, check the device back in and reclaim your, your app license um, if you have any paid apps on there. Uh, if the device can't be recovered, uh, you can still check out a new device to a user, you know, get a replacement device. In the case of that app license, you can contact uh, VPP support and they can help you in those instances. So can a single MacBook control multiple carts of iPads with different apps on the different carts? Yes. Uh, this is very different than the way iTunes behaves, which iTunes doesn't really have any sort of facility to manage groups of devices, but Apple Configurator does. As you saw in our, our screenshots there, you can make different sets of devices, which could be different carts. Uh, so you can take one configurator station and move it between different carts. And that really depends on your usage model and, and how frequently you expect to update content. Uh, if your instructors want to use the hand-in, hand-out feature, the assigning documents, you might not want to, to have that configuration station shared uh, because you might want to have the instructor have the ability to, to uh, frequently hand out data. Um, but if that's not an important feature, you can certainly have uh, one configurator station uh, uh, supervise and, and configure lots and lots of iOS devices, even if they're organized into different groups. And when they're in those groups, you can set different sets of applications and profiles and backups and other settings for those, uh, for those groups of, of devices. So is there a step-by-step -step instruction on how to prepare, supervise, and assign um, the different the sections of, of Apple Configurator? The, the best place for that, as I said earlier, is the built-in help documentation with Apple Configurator. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the iOS 5 Education Deployment Guide has not yet been updated for Apple Configurator, but that's in progress. And what happens if the device that's running Apple Configurator fails? So uh, we strongly recommend backing up your machine using Apple Configurator. And we have a, a knowledge base article on how to do that. Uh, it's a really simple process. Time Machine works just fine. Uh, depending on what you've done with Apple Configurator, 
there's certain potentially valuable information in there. For example, your volume purchase licenses. Uh, Apple Configurator redeems all the codes as it, redeem, as it installs them for the first time to a device and then keeps it in its, in its local database. So you'll want to back up that database to make sure you've protected your licenses. If you're checking in and checking out devices, uh, that, that will include user data within the Apple Configurator database as well. So uh, that's also valuable, a valuable reason to back up the computer using Time Machine or any other Mac backup solution. So they're wondering, can you backup and restore iOS devices via Configurator? And if so, does that backup and restore um, process preserve the individual device names? So yes, you can backup and restore using Apple Configurator. So the concept of creating a master template device works very well in Configurator. Uh, and the, the process does, uh, I wouldn't say preserves device names. What it does is it renames it automatically uh, based on your settings. So if you're in the prepare portion of the app, uh, and you're restoring them all from backup, but you're naming them sequentially, uh, it will fix the name so that it's whatever sequential name that you've chosen. And um, if you're in the supervised section, uh, for each device, you can either name them sequentially or you can even manually enter names, uh, even if you're restoring from backup. And it will apply that name every time after restoring from backup. OK, we'll just take a, two more questions. So if a student goes um, home and takes their device with them and tries to sync music or videos, what will happen to the Apple configurator settings? So if a device is supervised, and this is specifically for devices that are supervised, uh, if the user takes that device and plugs it into any other computer uh, with iTunes, iTunes will display a warning that this device is supervised and will not uh, show the device in the, in the sidebar, will not let the device be used uh, via iTunes or any other connection via USB. Uh, so the end user will not be able to easily sync their own content or change any of the apps or settings that are applied by Apple Configurator over USB. Uh, it would take a lot more work uh, to circumvent those settings. So if the app needs to be updated, do they then have to bring it back to Apple Configurator to do so? If the app is installed by Apple Configurator, you're going to want to bring your devices back to Apple Configurator. And that's why I said earlier that app installation, especially for App Store apps, is best used for supervised devices in Apple Configurator because those are the devices that are coming back every once in a while. Uh, versus devices that you don't supervise, if you just prepare them, you might be just in, you know, installing a profile or a backup. Those devices uh, aren't probably coming back to Configurator, and therefore it wouldn't be really best usage of the, of the tool to install App Store apps from there. All right. Thank you guys all for joining us today. Um, this webcast will be posted to maclearning.org as soon as possible. And if we weren't able to get your questions today, please feel free to post them to Mac Learning. We're going to be setting up a forum for this webcast in the next one on iOS management and deployment, and we'll try to circle back and answer all the questions that we didn't get to there. And just a reminder that next week we'll be holding the second half of this webcast focused on iOS deployment, and it'll be held on Wednesday, May 23rd at 10 a.m. Pacific time. And again, you can visit maclearning.org to register for the webcast. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.